Welcome to Conversations with Leaders. My name is Miriam McLemore, and I'm an enterprise strategist with AWS. I have the great privilege today to have Scott Reese from Autodesk with us here. Scott, could you please tell us a little bit about your role at Autodesk? Yeah, of course. Thanks, Miriam, for having me. So I'm Scott Reese. I'm the senior vice president of our manufacturing cloud and production group here at Autodesk. And if you're not familiar with Autodesk, we make software for people who make things. And, you know, things are, are pretty broad reaching. It could be anything from the, the buildings, the bridges and the roads and the AEC space that we use every day to the cars or the, the robotics that are automating things to the consumer products that um, we all use. Uh, or even in the digital world, uh, the, the movies and video games that uh, we all know and love. Our customers are responsible for all of those things. Now, a little bit about me and kind of my background. So I'm an engineer by education and, and kind of background, but I'm an entrepreneur by nature. So I always had my own companies and I ended up running a little company that Autodesk acquired. And as an entrepreneur, your dream is never to work for a big corporation, but I found something magical. My passion has always been the intersection of technology and business. And when you can find a company that also is, is purpose-driven and, and really focused on making an impact, that's pretty awesome. So I think I have the coolest job in the world. I get to work with all these amazing customers, but I also get to lead a team of over 1,500 professionals who get to work with those customers to tackle some of the, the world's most important challenges that we have ahead of us. Scott, thank you so much. And just again, so pleased to have the opportunity to speak with you today. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Autodesk transition to cloud and, and the, the purpose behind that? Yeah, sure. So remember, we're over 38 year old software company and think back 38 years ago, you know, we're talking about floppy disks. I think it was five and a quarter inch floppy disk, if I'm, if I'm not wrong, when we got started. So the technology transition has been a big vector of, um, you know, really modernizing what we do for our customers. But the other vector of our transition has been the business model. So if you kind of pack those things together, we've transitioned from floppy disk to CDs to uh, a, a subscription relationship with our customers. And, you know, so that really moves away from selling software to really establishing a deeper relationship with customers that is really based on their success. So when you think about a transition, if you think about a leader's role in that, the way we look at it is our job is to provide clarity about what outcome we're trying to drive. You know, I read a book recently from Bob Johansson that, that has a quote that I just love and it's something that I use a lot. And it says that the future will reward clarity but punish certainty. And, you know, for us, we want to make the best decisions that we can with the information that we have at the time that gives us the ability to go fast and be agile and then correct over time. But really that clarity that we try to drive to is to ground everything that we do in customer and you know what's good for the customer and make sure that uh, we are establishing and, and putting their trust ahead of everything. And you know, from a culture perspective, one of the things that we've been focused on is really driving courageous conversations because we need to have the challenging conversations internally to make sure that we're doing the right things for the customer that drive their businesses forward 
establish and maintain trust as the foundation of that of that relationship. Scott, um, you know, as a, a customer that works with Amazon, you, um, I imagine, know that earning trust is absolutely core to and one of the Amazon leadership principles. So I, I love that commitment at Autodesk as well. Um, and I uh, sadly have been in, in technology long enough to remember uh, the big and small floppy disk uh, and uh, talking technology to customers and making that translation is uh, key to what we do at AWS. And I'm sure key to what you're doing at Autodesk as well. Can you share a little bit about how you make um, technology accessible to your customers? Yeah, definitely. You know, with with all of this transition, experience rules. Uh, and, you know, throughout the, the history of software, that hasn't always been the case. But in this era of cloud and mobile, I can't say it enough that experience rules. And it's really given us the opportunity to do two things. Uh, even for the expert technologist, we, we have the ability to democratize some of that expert level technology. Uh, that's only been accessible to the experts historically. So cloud and mobile has given us the ability to reach a much broader audience. It's also given us the ability to bring everyone into the process. So whether it's uh, executives in a manufacturing company or an immediate entertainment company or someone in purchasing, they all have a role to play. And cloud and mobile have given us the ability to, to provide the information to them and the workflows that it needs to really make the entirety of that company more successful. But I can't say it enough, experience rules. Without an amazing experience, they simply cannot partake in the process. I completely agree. And and so when you're working with your team, and it's a very large team, as, as you said, what are some of the best practices that you could share with us about establishing a vision for your team and, and making sure that your team is achieving against that vision. Yeah, you know, we all do our best work when when we're driven, we're really connected to the mission. And, you know, at the broadest levels, Autodesk has a, an amazing mission, which is all about helping people imagine, design, and make a better world. Now, my group in particular, we're focused on the make side of that. So uh, for years, we've had millions and millions of users designing different elements of the world with our software. And my group is focused on helping them make it. So uh, when we think about that broad vision, it's pretty easy for our folks to get fired up about coming to work. Recently, we in my group, we ran a My Why campaign. So we're all here for that broad mission, but each of us have a, a different element of it that, that really gets us fired up. And in this My Why campaign, what we were doing is, is helping every employee kind of share what it is that drives them with the broader population. And we found that to really be contagious. People really love that and people are, are more fired up than ever. Um, you know, some of the things that people shared, especially with the recent COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of our customers were able to use our technology um, uh, and we made it available to them uh, for free for a good while so that they could tackle the, the personal protective equipment challenge. And people shared how meaningful that was to them to be able to do that and help focus on driving those customers' uh, success. We also had a lot of people who shared 
really amazing stories about what our customers have been able to do to help children with prosthetic limbs uh, with our with our software. Sustainability is such a, a, a worldwide problem. And if you think about the broad array of things that our customers deliver to the market, our solutions really have a big opportunity to deliver more sustainable uh, outcomes. And a lot of our employees rallied around that. And then kind of to media and entertainment, we had a lot of employees that said, hey, I wanna have a role in helping people make content that my children are gonna watch. And it's pretty easy for people to get fired up about that. So again, yes, our, our customers are making build, buildings, bridge roads, cars, robots, and all that kind of stuff. But we also have customers that are doing things like uh, designing nano robots that travel the bloodstream and fight cancer from inside of the body um, or uh, making incubation technology that are accessible to the masses that drive infant mortality rates down by 75% in third world countries. So um, our customers do amazing things and being able to leverage cloud and mobile technology to help make it more accessible to the masses is something we rally around as a company. I am sure your employees find it very easy to rally around a vision of making a better world. Um, quite inspirational. Switching gears um, a little bit, can you talk to us about how Autodesk views the importance of data for the industries that you serve? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this shift to the cloud, as you well know, has been underway for a while. But, you know, with the whole COVID-19 pandemic, um, that just accelerated it for a lot of our customers. Cloud was optional pre-COVID. Um, and within about a 24-hour period, every customer was working from home. So luckily, we've been investing for several years to make that shift to the cloud. So we were ready with, with products like BIM 360 to help our construction and, and our architecture companies um, really continue their projects and their work um, with a very distributed workforce. Same thing with Fusion 360 in the manufacturing space. If, you know, just very naturally targets concurrent workflows and, and collaborative uh, workflows. So um, our, we were able to really help those customers move from home but uh, and do their work from home. But a big part of that is about the data. It's not just about storing files in the cloud. The data has to work differently. What our customers do, so much of their processes are starting to converge and that requires us to serve up workflows that leverage that data differently. So not only have we put the data in the cloud, we've, we've fundamentally changed how we think about data so that we can automate so many of those workflows. You talked earlier about customer experience and now you know, there's uh, an aspect of data as data as part of that experience. Is that something that you talk about with your customers? We, we really do. And, you know, our, we're driving it. Our customers are driving it. The industries are, are really doing some pretty interesting things here. And, and we, we think and talk a lot about this notion of convergence because it's happening and data and experience are, are critical elements of uh, helping our customers be successful when that happens. You know, for example, 
construction companies are, are trying to manufacture big parts of the building offsite. So they want the predictability and the quality that manufacturing companies have been able to experience for decades, really. And manufacturing companies are trying to become more flexible and agile like construction companies uh, have been for decades. So these processes are starting to converge um, so much and, and data and our ability to automate workflows kind of across um, and really focus on the outcome that the customer's trying to achieve is uh, is a critical element of that for sure. But, you know, helping customers see their data all from one place. And, you know, we've shifted definitely o- over the last several years from it's not a file centric world anymore. It's a user centric world moving forward. And the user cares about their data. So when they log in from any of our tools, they need to be able to see all of their data. And then as they experience workflows, they just want the data to, to show up and be available um, as it's useful. So gone are the days where you're exporting a file out of one application, importing a file into another application. It's much more automated than that. Convergence is the future. And that's something that we're driving in the cloud. Yeah, you mentioned the the pandemic and what that's changed in, um, as you just said, construction. I had the great opportunity to speak with the CEO of a large um, retail and uh, commercial construction company in Asia and talking about building things offsite and then and putting them together on site to keep some of that social distancing um, in place and protect their employees. Are, are you seeing some of that as well? You mentioned a, an example of that from your customers of a different way of working that this crisis has created. Yeah, no question. And, you know, to be clear, we've been investing in these workflows for several years. So we were ready, um, you know, whether it's offsite construction or near site construction. Uh, these are workflows that we've developed over the over the last several years. And when the pandemic hit, uh, we were ready to help customers straight away. And, you know, we had customers reach out and say, hey, we've kind of dabbled with this cloud thing for a while, but now we're going all in. Are you guys ready? And, you know, we were happy to be able to say, of course, we're ready. And uh, for a lot of our customers, you know, the feedback we've gotten is, hey, we've we've never missed a beat. Um, We just kind of carried on. So uh, overnight, almost literally, our customers' processes changed. Again, cloud was optional. Now cloud is no longer optional. Cloud is uh, required. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, just, you know, for these companies to, to survive. And luckily, we're in a position to not only help them survive, but, but thrive with the change. Yeah. No, you know, I've talked to several customers. It's, you know, the small silver lining on, you know, a, a very challenging environment that we're operating in is the speed of decision making has absolutely increased and the adoption of new and more current technologies how are you leading your organization through these changes? Because I imagine it's impacted how you work as well. Yeah, so our workforce has been remote, you know, for a few months now. And as we help our customers, you know, they they're, start to work from home. You know, there's certainly the workflow side of it. How do we help people manage their data, drive concurrency, all that kind of stuff? But, you know, there are really three elements that that we keep at the foundation of everything that we do. And that's really all about uh, performance, 
reliability, and security. Because from a capability perspective, no, no matter how capable it is, if it doesn't perform, if the customer doesn't feel it's reliable or secure, they're not going to use it. They're not gonna bet their company on it. So that's been a big shift for us over the last several years. And again, we were ready, um, is you know shifting our, our employees' mindsets that, that reliability, performance, and security are critical. We've driven a lot of programs to change our engineering practices to where we reward things like reliability, performance, and security just as much as we reward the um, new capabilities that might show up in an application. It is critically, critically important to um, establishing and maintaining that trust-based relationship with our customers in the cloud even more so than, than, than in any other way. And how do you talk to other leaders about data in the cloud? Because as you mentioned, some of these customers are just getting you know, into cloud now and I'm sure have those security concerns that you mentioned. How do you explain it to them? Yeah, so we've invested in a, a world-class security operation team for, for years. So um, what we found is that just having that conversation with CIOs of, of our, our customers, helping them understand our practices, whether it's you know gaining SOC 2 compliance on a particular application, the conversation is what we found to be key. And giving them access and exposure to our security team so that they can see um, you know, how serious we take it and what level of investment that, that we've made there. But, you know, making sure that our customers know that it's not just capability that we're focused on. It is that notion of performance, right? So, um, things aren't going to lag. We know how to make these things performant when you're working uh, in a distributed manner. Uh, they're reliable. When you need them, they're there and they're secure. Your precious intellectual property is secure in the cloud. But, you know, it's really that conversation that's key. And, and back to what you said, I think at the beginning of our discussion, earning trust, right? And, and at Amazon, certainly we talk about needing to earn that trust every day. It, it's so important. Scott, we've talked about the importance of customer experience and value for data. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about other focus areas that you have for your team and for Autodesk as a whole? Yeah, definitely. Kind of the triad that we think about and we talk about data, you know, so much because uh, it's just paramount to enabling everything else that we're trying to do. But we really talk about the triad of data automation and insights. And when you think about now that we have that data in the cloud, what can we automate? It always brings me to a story with uh, General Motors, for example, and, you know, Airbus has, has done similar projects here with what we call generative design, which is where now that we have the capability and the data in the cloud, we can start to drive so much of what our customers do algorithmically. So with generative design, what General Motors did is that, you know, that ultimately for electrification, they need to take the weight out of the vehicle as much as they can without sacrificing any quality or performance characteristics. So with Fusion 360 and generative design, what they were able to do is instead of draw up the geometry for what this seatbelt bracket that they wanted to replace would look like, they simply frame the problem. 
They would define, hey, here's where it needs to mount to the floorboard of the vehicle. Here's where the seatbelts need to snap in. And here are the safety requirements that, that we have to abide by. Then from there, Fusion 360, by leveraging the cloud, drove over 150 different geometric options that all satisfied all of those requirements. And the end result was that they took what used to be a nine-part seatbelt assembly, and it came out with a, a single part that was 40% lighter than the original um, seatbelt bracket, but it was also 20% stronger. So they found a simpler outcome that was more performant and, and, and lighter than the original. So again, by having the data in the cloud, it's not just about having the data in the cloud, it's, it's about what can we do with that data in the cloud. And generative design is a great example of that. And then insights, you know, th this is kind of self-explanatory. Now that we have the data in the cloud, we can drive uh, AI and machine learning across that data and be able to deliver more and more value to our customers. So it's something that, think back to our mission of helping our customers uh, imagine, design, and make a better world. These are the things that get us really excited about our opportunity to do that. Yeah, I, I imagine your employees get um, very much behind these ideas of data automation and insight. How do you keep them motivated and and drive connection across your employee base? Yeah, there's really a couple of things. So, you know, first, we talk a lot about being a customer company. We're, we're not into intellectually stimulating exercises that aren't grounded in what outcome are we trying to drive uh, for for our customers and then that's the other thing is let's stay outcome focused Let, let's not talk about activities let's talk about outcomes so when when we ground things in you know the customer need and then the outcome that we're trying to drive people get pretty fired up about uh, ultimately what what we're doing there and then from a growth and development perspective, we're, we're very much uh, about performance management. Um, you know, we, and we try to make it a, a constant dialogue versus, hey, let's talk about your annual review. Now, let's, let's, let's have a constant dialogue about not just your performance, but also your development. And you know, that's something that we take very seriously is to make sure that all of our managers are continuously having a development conversation um, that are both grounded in what does the company need from a growth perspective, but also what does the employee need? So when you're grounded in customers, driving outcomes, and then also personal development, people get pretty fired up. I think our engagement's pretty high. And speaking about development, right? If you think back to the first leadership role that you took on, what's something that you wish you knew then that you know now? Yeah. So if you think back to, you know, when I did my MBA, there are really two things that I wish would have uh, kind of shined through in, in all of those studies because I kind of had to learn them on the job. So one is, you know, when I first took on a management position, um, I was running my own company and, and I thought I had to have all the answers. I thought that was my job. I'm in charge, right? I must have all of the answers. And um, you know, it took me a while to realize that that's not my job at all. My job is to hire the right people and then empower them uh, to do great things. And, you know, I think that was kind of magical once I finally figured that out that um, you know, my job is never to have all the right answers. It's to have the right people and put them in a position to uh, drive success. You know, the other thing that's been a lifelong journey is figuring out that mindset matters m way more than I ever realized that mindset matters. And um, every time I think about this, I think of this story where 
I had taken one of my boys. I, I take a lot of trips one-on-one with my boys. And um, uh, my now 16-year-old was five at the time. And we'd gone to an amusement park where we're riding the rides. And um, while that's what I was focused on, his mind was totally focused on playing the games and winning the prizes. So I had to strike a deal with him earlier in the day. I'm like, look, if you'll just stop talking about playing games um, and ride the rides, I'll let you play games at the end of the day. So he held up his end of the deal. And at the end of the day, I gave him $10 and I said, okay, play, play whatever games you'd like. He picked out uh, a basketball game, which if you've been to one of these amusement parks, the, these basketball games, the rims are small and the ball will barely fit through the hoop and they're overstuffed with air so that they're really bouncy. It's impossible. He's never going to make any of these. So in my mind, I went into that thinking that this was a $10 donation that's going to get us on the way to the car. So I went in and I know that if I had taken those shots, I'm missing all five of these shots. And he went in and he made three of the five shots, right? And um, so I'm blown away. I don't really know what's going on. And it's not because he's some amazing basketball player, right? And, and, and I'll, on the way back to the car, now we've got this huge stuffed animal that I just know we're going to have to figure out how to get rid of uh, in a year or so. Um, but I say to him, I say, Carter, I cannot believe that you made three of those shots. And you know what he said back to me? I'll never forget it for the rest of my days. He said, without even thinking, he said, I can't believe I missed two. Wow, that's great. <laughs> For me, that was a great reminder of how much mindset matters, right? He didn't have the skills to make those, those baskets, um, but, he, but he had the focus, the determination, and the mindset that he expected to win, and he won. And in, in business, this matters. Mindset matters. If you think you're going to fail, you'll fail. If you think you're going to succeed, you will deliver. And our customers need us to deliver. So I wish I had embraced that mindset matters um, so much earlier in my career. I, I love that story. And it goes back to something you said earlier in our conversation about the future will reward those with clarity. Right. And, uh, and I would hope to add clarity of purpose. Right. And and destination. What a, what a great story. Any other advice that you would have for, for leaders that are trying to negotiate what are very challenging times from your experience and what's working for Autodesk? Yeah, definitely. You know, the one skill that I wish I had uh, earlier and I've certainly developed, but, you know, I've developed more than ever in the last three or four months, which is just the understanding of the power of empathy and uh, understanding that as leaders, we're so much better when we are empathetic and we genuinely try to understand. You know, so back in uh, early days of my career, I had the experience of working out in a factory, doing factory automation and, and robotics. And what, what I'll never forget is on the factory floor, everybody's talking about, ah, oh, those people up front, whoever they are, they don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, we have to fix everything they send out here. And then as I got an engineering degree, I became one of those people up front. And what I noticed up there is they're like, oh, well, out on the factory floor, they'll never figure this out. We have to do everything. And, and there was just this dichotomy of neither one of them really understood one another. And I was on the factory floor. I know those are smart people. They know what they're doing. And then I was up in the front office. I know those are smart people and they know what they're doing. But they never took enough time to truly understand one another. And I've had that experience through my career where 
I just had this frustrating feeling like, oh my gosh, if you each just took a minute and understood one another, the outcomes that you're going to drive are so much better than what we're going to attain otherwise. And that's one of the things I love about Autodesk is that in my experience, um, people are empathetic. They do seek to understand. And I think that's why we've been so successful in driving customer outcomes. But that is definitely something, if I ever teach a college course, helping people understand the power and importance of, of empathy um, is in driving results. It, it is critically important in my view. Well, Scott, I think that is a perfect comment to close our conversation on seeking to understand others and empathy and Autodesk's mission of making a better world. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, such a pleasure to hear your story and learn more about Autodesk. Thanks so much, Miriam. We're, we're super excited and we, and we so appreciate our relationship with AWS. You guys are great partners for us. Thank you.